I've seen a lot of storms over the years, but this one was bad, real bad. So I said to hell with the little red lights and busted out the multi-million candle power halogen spotlight on the top of the cat. This did not have the effect I had hoped for. All it did was help me to see with stunning high-definition clarity the snow flying through the air about two feet in front of the cat. Stretching from the research facility where our scientist was stuck all the way to the elevated station is a line of flags 20 feet apart marking the route. I decided to employ my usually reliable method of getting lined up on a flag going in the right direction and proceed slowly, watching for the next flag or landmark. The problem with this method is that it is slow going, and in this cold, ambient 97 below, wind chill at 170 below, we have about 30 minutes before what started as a relatively warm machine coming out of the shop becomes a chunk of ice. It all starts with the rubber in the tracks. A machine with all rubber tracks wouldn't last 10 minutes in this cold. Luckily, this machine has a small amount of rubber mixed with a blend of wire and canvas. This is a relatively stable design, but has a pretty short overall lifetime per track. In this extreme cold, we will eventually drive right out of the tracks as they disintegrate into the little bits of materials they were made from. Before that happens, it is likely that the oil will freeze solid in the engine and the aviation quality antifreeze will turn to jelly. About the time that all happens, the hydrostatic drive system will fail, as the hydraulic oil cycling through the drive motors freezes to about the consistency of ice cream. Without functional drive motors, the cat's done, and possibly us along with it. If the snow cat failed, our bodies would become hypothermic after about 20 minutes, and would result in our becoming disoriented. Our radio batteries would freeze solid, effectively eliminating comms. Eventually, our training would kick in, and understanding that our cognitive abilities were rapidly failing, we would dig a hole in the snow, and then crawl into our hole and get cozy. Pretty soon, we would stop worrying about anything, convince ourselves that rescue was coming, take a little nap. But a nap in these conditions would be the snowy equivalent of a dirt nap. Within the hour, the rapidly drifting snow would erase all sign of our existence. And come spring, they would need to bring avalanche dogs to recover our bodies. We had no intention of losing that battle, though. And as we worked our way slowly down the flag line for the next half a kilometer with no trouble, always finding the next flag, we were feeling optimistic. I should have realized, but didn't that the nice straight line that we were following was about to make some hard turns and be crossed by other flag lines. Some of these other flag lines lead nowhere, and they were only there to mark mysterious underground locations. Should we end up on a dead-end flag line, it could be fatal. It became obvious that we were off course after the normal time between flags, which we had come to expect, became longer and longer. We must have run off the flag line somewhere. Now we had nothing to navigate by. I turned on the GPS in a futile attempt to get a signal. It was a waste of time. We stopped and discussed our options, deciding to drive around in circles, starting small and growing bigger and bigger until we hit a flag line. Under normal circumstances, this would be unwise, but we were in an area with many flag lines, and we were sure to hit one eventually. Hopefully we would hit a navigational flag line marked by red flags, but we would have been happy for anything at that point. 
We did end up finding a flag line that runs from the South Pole to the coastal station of the United States Antarctic Program on Ross Island. We mistakenly thought we were back on track and gave our scientist friend Steph a call to let him know we were almost there. We were in reality heading to Ross Island 900 miles away, blissfully ignorant of the trouble we were getting deeper into. At some point we both realized we should have hit the research facility already, and we must be off course. Jason and I agreed that we must have been on a flag line running nearly parallel to the correct line. However, this line would have carried us significantly further to the 10-meter telescope facility. We decided to backtrack a ways and then hang a hard right out through this astrugi, natural hard pack, that divided us from the correct line. By that time, we were really starting to feel the cold, and it was getting very difficult to keep the windows free of ice. Unfortunately, the defrosters were becoming...